What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my NFL Week 6 reactions. We're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills beating the Kansas City Chiefs, the New York Giants getting a big win over the Baltimore Ravens, and the Steelers getting a huge upset win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. If you're listening to this episode on YouTube, make sure that you go ahead, check out the podcast, leave a five-star review, leave a like on the video, and subscribe to the channel. Listen to the JT Sports Podcast on all podcasting platforms and leave a five-star review. The Buffalo Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs 24 to 20. A couple of months ago, when the Bills were defeated by the Chiefs in overtime, you go back and you ask yourself after that game, you know, what was Buffalo missing? What did the Bills need to finally get over the hump, to finally be able to beat Kansas City? Well, their answer was Von Miller. Now, I had... A lot of my friends reach out to me and say that they weren't really all that thrilled about Devon Miller signing because he was in his 30s and they didn't think that he was going to be all that great. And I was telling them, first of all, don't you ever disrespect a future Hall of Famer, especially somebody that is the kind of player that is Von Miller. Second of all, and I've said this so many times over the course of this offseason, but Hall of Fame caliber players regress at a slower rate than normal. Okay, your average NFL player, when they hit 30, they start to decline. By the time they get to 34, they're done. Their career's most likely over. However, you look at Hall of Fame caliber players, when they get to the age of 30, they aren't declining. They pretty much peaked and they still are able to perform at a elite level for at least another three to four seasons. And then once they get to their mid thirties, that's when their play starts to sort of start to decline a little bit. But when you look at Von Miller, there definitely is no decline or regression in his game right now. He had two sacks and on one of the most important drives of the game late in the fourth quarter, he was really critical to Patrick Mahomes forcing that interception to Tyron Johnson. And Tony Romo alluded to it. He said that Von Miller, he even showed it on screen. He was being double teamed, but despite being double teamed, he was still able to find a way to affect Patrick Mahomes, forcing him to move around, and it caused that game-winning interception that went in the Buffalo Bills' favor. And then the thing with Patrick Mahomes in this game is that he didn't play bad 
He played pretty well. However, he had two costly interceptions. I mean, you threw the interception after you recovered the fumble from the Buffalo Bills. That was huge. And then you have the interception, of course, that happened late, which won the game for Buffalo pretty much. And for Patrick Mahomes, if the Chiefs match up with the Bills again in the postseason, he has to make sure that he takes better care of the football, especially if you get inside of the red zone. And for the life of me, I don't understand why so many teams continue to be so aggressive in the red zone when it comes to throwing the football. Like, just run the ball. It's so hard to to throw the football in the red zone because, first of all, you don't have a lot of plays to choose from because your playbook gets pretty much cut in half because you don't have most of the field to work with. Then, in the red zone, it's congested. So it's easy to throw an interception. Rather, if you have a misread, or since there's so much traffic, the ball hits somebody, it bounces up, and a defender comes and scoops it up for interception or whatnot. It's just so much chaos that can happen when you throw the football inside of the red zone. And another thing for Kansas City is that they got to be better when it comes to running the football. The thing with the Buffalo Bills is that, yeah, they may not be the most dominant rushing team in the NFL statistically, but they can't run the football if they have to. Devin Singletary had a pretty nice game. Yeah, the box score probably doesn't look fantastic, but he had a solid afternoon. And you think about all the plays that Josh Allen made with his legs. Devin Singletary also has some pretty big one runs in there as well. For Kansas City, they have to put more emphasis on running the football. Yeah, they do like to throw the ball a lot, but I do think that running the football will go very will be very big if Kansas City matches up against Buffalo the next time around because that Buffalo Bills pass rush was really getting after it. And if you want to be able to neutralize a great pass rush, you got to be able to run the football effectively and get those pass rushers to slow down and have to pay to play the run also. And for Kansas City, a player that I want to give a lot of kudos to, somebody who formerly used to play for my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, he balled out. Five receptions on five targets for 113 receiving yards. He was averaging 22.6 yards per reception. Of course, he had that big touchdown reception when he had like the big spin move and he was gone after that to the crib. I was really happy to see Juju Smith-Schuster thriving tonight because this is somebody who got a lot of hate from the media and fans when he was in Pittsburgh. And it's crazy because so many people turned on him really fast. You know, people love you when you're doing good, but as soon as you start losing or you start to hit some bumps in the road, people start to turn on you. And I feel like a good majority of Steeler fans on the low, low-key started to turn on Juju a little bit. So I was happy to see Juju out here balling with Kansas City. And Travis Kelsey, of course, we know what he does. But really, the main reason why Kansas City lost this game, Patrick Mahomes 
costly turnovers, big turnovers. Imagine if he never threw that interception after they recovered that fumble. This game could have been so different. And you got to give a lot of praise to Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, because the game plan that he had for this Chiefs offense was fantastic. I mean, yeah, Kansas City still did put up a lot of yards, but I mean, they didn't have 40 points. It was a game that your defense was able to help your offense out because when your defense was able to come through for you, it gave your offense the opportunity to go ahead and win the game. And even after you went ahead and scored the touchdown to Dawson Knox, you know, some people probably could have been like, okay, well, the Bills defense has to go back on the field. They still got to be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes. And Chiefs fans were probably still pretty confident and their ability to win the game because you remember how the last matchup went when you had the ball in your hands to win the game. And then Buffalo's defense comes up with a huge play. And I mean, Buffalo's defense has been really good this year. Really good. Jordan Poirier, Gregory Rousseau, Matt Milano, It seems like almost everybody on this Bills defense has been playing at a really high level. And for the Buffalo Bills, this is a huge win. And I think right now, regardless of what happens with this Philadelphia Eagles game, right now it's four minutes left in the first quarter. It's tied 0-0. Regardless if Philadelphia improves to 6-0, I still think that the Bills are the best team in the NFL. They can really get after it. Their defense is phenomenal. And yeah, Philadelphia also does have a great defense also. But I think what the deciding factor for me is in this debate when determining who's better between the Bills or the Eagles is the fact that I think the Bills offense, at least when it comes to their passing game, is more consistent than the Eagles. And I love Jalen Hurts. And I think Jalen Hurts has played pretty well this year. But Josh Allen is simply in a different league. He's on a different level. And when Josh Allen gets in the zone, like how he was in this win over Kansas City, he's probably the best quarterback in the league than over Aaron Rodgers. Because, I mean, how can you truly stop Josh Allen? He's so hard to bring down because of his size, plus his athleticism, plus how quick he is. The Buffalo Bills, man, are the team to beat in the NFL right now. And I'm really excited to see how Buffalo fares in the AFC East division. Because the Jets are playing some really good football. New England is playing really good football without Mac Jones with rookie backup quarterback Bailey Zappi. The Miami Dolphins, when they get Tua back, they're going to be really good again. So, I mean, for the Buffalo Bills, yeah, they still have a lot of football to play. But this definitely was a big win for them in determining where they rank amongst the AFC hierarchy. Who was still the top dog? Was it Kansas City or was it Buffalo? And for the moment right now, We got the answer to that question. It's Buffalo. 
Now, if these two teams face off again, which we most likely, the majority of us, expect to happen, I'm eager to see what the outcome would be. The New York Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-20 for the whole entire week leading up to this matchup. I was telling one of my homies, who is a Ravens fan, that the New York Giants were going to win this game. And I almost put $50 on New York to beat the Ravens. That's how much confidence I had in Brian Dable and this Giants team heading into this matchup. And the reason why I picked the Giants to get this win mainly was because of defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. And we all pretty much know that Wink Martindale spent a couple of years as the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. They let him go after last season. And now he's with the Giants. And with Wink Martindale spending so much time watching Lamar Jackson in practice and during games, I felt like he was going to have a very good game plan when it came to slowing down Lamar Jackson, limiting what he did in a running game, and how effective he would be throwing the football. And it was a fantastic game plan because in the fourth quarter, when the Ravens really needed Lamar to step up, he didn't deliver. He threw a really critical interception in the fourth quarter that led to Saquon Barkley scoring a one-yard touchdown, which eventually would win the game for the New York Giants. Then you had the forced fumble by rookie edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau. Lamar went 17 to 32 for 210 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, and 77 yards on the ground. His performance in this game was lackluster, to say the least. And even the week before that, against Cincinnati, he was a little off. He was missing a couple of throws downfield. He had a wide open receiver that he missed for a touchdown. Lamar hasn't played his best football as of recently. And when you look at the box score, it heavily favors the Baltimore Ravens. However, the reason why they lost this game was because in the fourth quarter, they fell apart. And this isn't the first time this season that we have seen the Ravens fall apart in the fourth. I mean, they gave up a big lead against the Miami Dolphins. Earlier this season, you give up a 10-point lead against the Giants. You go scoreless in the fourth quarter and you're lost against the Buffalo Bills. You had a solid outing against Cincinnati. But outside of that, the Ravens have not really been a good fourth quarter team. As a matter of fact, they don't really play full games. They only played the first three quarters and then in the fourth quarter, most of the times, they allow teams to get back into games. And they allow the wrong team to stay around. The New York Giants are a kind of team that they may not be super talented, but they are going to be very well coached. They're not going to beat themselves. And they're going to, if you allow them, to hang around 
And if you give them free gifts, like what the Ravens did with the interception and the fumble, they're going to take advantage of that. The New York Giants are a team that doesn't shy away from their identity. No matter if they're up by 20 or down by 30, this is still a team that remains committed to what they are. And that is a team that likes to run the football and throw the football only when you need to. So Saquon only had 83 rushing yards in this game. And his longest rush of the afternoon only went for eight yards. So he was pretty much held in check by the Ravens defense. The Ravens defensive line dominated the interior of the New York Giants offensive line. I mean, their offensive guards, their centers, they got train wrecked in this game. They gave up four sacks also. And despite that, you know, the Ravens had the interception by Marcus Peters, which ended up getting called back because of pass interference, which gave the Giants new life. Of course, we know what happened after that. But I mean, the Ravens just don't play full games. They're a bad fourth quarter team. As a matter of fact, they're 26 in the NFL and points per game in the fourth quarter. They only average 3.7 points in the fourth. That's not good. They don't really do a good job of closing games. So if the Ravens do get a lead, they don't do a good job maintaining it the majority of the time. And you got to wonder whose fault is that? Who deserves the blame for the Ravens' lack of production in the fourth? I mean, yeah, you can blame their defensive coordinator, but it's not as if the offense does you any favors when they struggle to score points. Lamar definitely hasn't been good in the fourth quarter. You see, the thing with Lamar Jackson this season has been, he's been good the first three quarters. But then the fourth quarter, where is he? The same fantastic runs that he was having the first couple of quarters, you don't really see as much late in games. Now, sometimes he'll ice the game with his legs, but it doesn't happen as much as what you would think and we consider Lamar Jackson to be a top five top 10 quarterback and I'm not hating on Lamar I'm just giving some fair criticism okay so for all of you Lamar fanboys in the comment section that's going to call me a hater you can go you can check the history of this channel before Lamar Jackson was even drafted I said Lamar Jackson was going to be a GOAT so don't call me a Lamar hater I'm one of the biggest Lamar fans around. I'm just giving some fair criticism of Lamar Jackson. He's not good in the fourth quarter. Or at least he hasn't been good in the fourth quarter this year. And you can blame it on the play calling and everything else. But at the end of the day, when you're going to be getting the kind of money that Lamar Jackson is going to be eventually receiving, you can't make no excuses. And you fans aren't going to want to hear no excuses. If Lamar Jackson gets a $200 million guaranteed contract, are you guys going to want to hear any excuses about not having enough talent at wide receiver or the play calling as defense for Lamar Jackson's fourth quarter struggles? I don't think so. 
Like, I love Lamar, but he has not been really good when the game has been on the line this year. Oftentimes, when the game has been on the line this season, Lamar Jackson has came up small. And I love Lamar. This isn't easy for me to say, but Ravens fans know it, and you Lamar fans know it. And I'm not trying to put all the blame on Lamar. Don't get it twisted. Okay, it's a team game. We're going to get into Coach Harbaugh in a little bit. But Lamar Jackson has to be better in the fourth quarter. He has to take over. The way that he takes over games from the first quarter to the third quarter should be the way that he takes over games in the fourth quarter. You should see the best of Lamar in the biggest moments. And I kind of feel like we haven't seen the best of Lamar in the biggest moments this year. Be honest. I mean, yeah, we see a bunch of highlight reel throws and highlight reel runs, but how many of those highlight reel runs and throws have came during the critical moments of the game in the fourth quarter? And then when you look at Coach Harbaugh, uh, which Harbaugh is this? This John Harbaugh, right? John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, hold on real quick. Yeah, John Harbaugh. I wanted to make sure that I had it right because sometimes I almost have a tendency to call John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, and Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. But John Harbaugh, his decision-making in the fourth quarter is really questionable because often it's not even questionable. It's just like the Ravens take a lot of chances that seem to be a little bit redundant and unnecessary okay yes i understand being aggressive but you don't have to go for it on fourth down in game losing game winning situations every single time sometimes it's okay to go into overtime like the ravens just seem to sometimes in the fourth quarter lose games because either they take too many boneheaded gambles they roll the dice too much or either they just completely melt down like this team just is not really good in the fourth quarter so the new york giants beat the ravens they improved to five and one on the season they they continue their cinderella season the ravens dropped to three and three right now the afc north pretty much is up for grabs even the Steelers and the Browns have a chance to get back into it if they're able to win their next few games over the next couple of weeks the AFC North is going to be really fun to watch I think that Cincinnati is about to heat up and I think that the Ravens I don't know they may end up on the end of the wrong side of the bed come the end of this month And what I mean by that is saying that I don't really think that the Ravens are going to have a very strong month of October to close out. I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped two more games to close this month because this team, I don't trust them in the fourth quarter with a lead and I don't trust them to close out games. And Lamar hasn't looked good over the last couple of weeks, but 
Let me know what you guys think about the New York Giants win over the Baltimore Ravens. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you check out the podcast available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from. The JT Sports Podcast is available. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode. The Pittsburgh Steelers got a huge upset win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-18. to Going into this game, looking at it on paper, there was pretty much every single reason to bet against the Pittsburgh Steelers. One, the Buccaneers had a more talented roster. Two, the Steelers were going to be starting a rookie quarterback against a Todd Bowles coach defense. But yet, the Steelers still found the way to win. And the reason for that is because Although the Steelers may not be the most talented team in the NFL, this is not a team that you can afford to come out flat against because they'll make you pay. And another thing about the Steelers is that under Mike Tomlin, we know that they love being underdogs. They embrace the underdog role. I mean, every single season, Pittsburgh will have some games that they lose. And you'll just look at them and say, how did you lose that game to that team? And then they'll have some games that they win. And you'll say, how the hell did y'all beat them? Like, Tom Brady, almost every single time he goes against a Mike Tomlin coach defense in Pittsburgh, he shreds it. However, this game was a completely different story. The Steelers' defense was getting after Tom Brady. He was putting a lot of passes in the dirt. He was off. And the Buccaneers were just off as a team. I mean, Kenny Pickett looked really sharp before he left the game with that concussion. He went 11 of 18, 67 passing yards, one touchdown. And although a lot of people are probably going to be turned off by the low yards per pass at 3.7, you got to remember that he's just a rookie. So the game is still pretty fast for him. So when he starts to see the game at a slower pace, he's going to take more shots downfield. And you're going to see that yards per pass average increase but what shocked me the most this afternoon was when Mitchell Trubisky came into the game because when he when Kenny Pickett first went down I was like oh lord Mitchell Trubisky is about to come in and he's about to sell the game and I don't know what Mitchell Trubisky ate for breakfast this morning before this matchup But he was looking like Money Mitch today. I mean, he came out throwing dimes. He finished the game 9 of 12, 444 passing yards. He had one touchdown. And for all you guys who love stats, he was averaging 12 yards per completion. Mitchell Trubisky was looking like Money Mitch. And... What was even more surprising is that, you know whose name finally got called today for the first time in what, half a year? Chase Claypool. Chase freaking Claypool, guys. 
Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Chase Claypool finally had a very good performance. I can't remember the last time Chase Claypool had a game when he went for almost 100 yards. It seems like so long ago since we've seen this kind of play out of Chase Claypool. And it's not necessarily all his fault. It's just that he doesn't really get targeted all that much. I mean, he was really good. I was really happy to see Chase Claypool out there balling. And the offense had a pretty nice day, although the run game still ain't do anything. But when you compare the performance that the Steelers had on the offense in this game compared to the offensive performances that they have had the previous games before this one, this one was pretty good compared to the previous ones before it. And I know the standard isn't all that high. As a matter of fact, the bar is pretty low for this offense. But I mean, this offense did what he needed to do to win the game. And here's the thing. The Steelers are not going to be a team that is going to blow you away with how they win. As a matter of fact, when they do win this season, it's going to be really ugly. As a matter of fact, they're just going to find ways to win. Rather, it be special teams defense but the offense you will be lucky enough if you can get 17 points out of the offense at most so this defense was phenomenal the secondary did a very good job at limiting how many big plays the Buccaneers had I mean Brady only had 6.1 yards per pass normally Tom Brady just shreds the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. But I mean, he did not look good in this matchup. In third down situations, the Steelers were 7 of 15. Tampa Bay went 4 of 14. Who would have thought that the Steelers offense would be capable of having of outperforming somebody on third down? And what really lost the game for Tampa Bay was their lack of effectiveness in the red zone they went one on four in the red zone you can't do that when you go into the red zone you got to come away with touchdowns not field goals because that's a good way to end up having the kind of game that you had against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh a team that doesn't generate a lot of offense you give them kind of a little bit of a moral victory when you only put up three points. Now, when you put up seven, you really put the pressure on because now they got to keep up. And the Steelers are a team that struggles so much offensively that they can't afford to go for it and be aggressive in fourth down situations. They got to either punt it or they either got to try to take the points. So for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's just that you know, in the red zone, you just would have thought they would have just been way better in that department. And a lot of props to Devin Bush for getting the game-winning pass breakup. He broke up the two-point conversion, which would have won the game for Tampa Bay pretty much or tied it, sent it to overtime, and which if the game would have went to overtime, I probably, I probably would have took Tampa Bay. Because then the Steelers offense would have had to be back on the field. And every time I see the Steelers offense on the field, 
<sighs> it's tough. It's really tough. But this was a much needed win for Pittsburgh. And it goes to show everybody that, you know, yeah, Pittsburgh may not be the most talented team, but they have showed this afternoon that you can't count them out. If you don't play your best football against Pittsburgh and you come not ready to play, they're going to beat you. And it may not be convincingly. It may be a sloppy game, a slugfest, but you don't want to come into a game against Pittsburgh flat and unprepared because this is a team that definitely can make you pay. And when they're playing at a really high level and they're motivated and Mike Tomlin has a fire under everybody, they're a dangerous team and they could end up messing up your season late this year if you're not careful. 